It's important to know. Dark Days of Dorothy Gale is solely a reimagining of the novel The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, and not the 1939 film or any other iteration of the story. Dark Days of Dorothy Gale Aftermath For Episodes 11 and 11-2 The Deadly Poppy Field This week finds us traveling through the Deadly Poppy Field. It also finds us a little short on story in Dark Days of Dorothy Gale. Elf Frank Baum takes you on a journey to and through the Deadly Poppy Field while I simply start you there. Dark Days essentially drops half of the bomb chapter here, and in time, I promise, I will explain my reasons for that. I like this chapter. I like the imagery. The idea that it looks like a Claude Monet painting. The beauty and the color. Now, this is also a chapter in which we get a better understanding of the Scarecrow, along with a name for him. He now prefers to be called Mister. I wanted to give him a name because I thought it might just make him a little more relatable, even if it's not a real name. I love the idea that he chooses Mister because it sounds formal, maybe even regal, and maybe, just maybe, gives him a false sense of intellect as well. I won't say Mister is dumb or stupid, but instead naive and childlike. While none of my characters are seeking Oz for the purpose of fixing their own character flaws, I wanted to retain those flaws in a realistic way. We have a moment here where Mr. is desperately trying to remember what is so special about the poppies. But as soon as he remembers, he sees a butterfly and immediately forgets. Not only does he forget but he forgets he was trying to remember anything in the first place, just as soon as Dorothy grabs his attention and steps into the field. Of course, by the time he does remember, it's too late, and Dorothy is already on the ground and sleeping. One of my favorite moments in Dark Days is this moment right here in the field. There is a growing crowd of onlookers just at the other end, and a sudden and kind of humorous realization by Mr., that he has failed. The idea that he is going to save her by dragging her out is well-intentioned, but ultimately poorly executed, as we know by the loss of his arms. For the most part, I say he is not capable of being tired, or even one that needs sleep or rest in general. In this chapter, however, we find that he is indeed capable of exhaustion, at least under certain circumstances. We know he can feel pain, so we can assume he is hurting from his arms being ripped off. And, of course, he is in a panic and running for help, which causes him to become uncharacteristically tired. And this, of course, brings us to the end of the Dark Days chapter. On the other end of the field, surrounded by munchkins, and his eyes fading away. The Wonderful Wizard of Oz chapter is 
a bit lengthier. It involves the added story of a river, a raft, and even a stork. Last week ended with Dorothy sleeping by the river and the woodman hard at work on making a raft. This week we wake up and try to cross that river. It seems like the land of Oz is in dire need of some serious infrastructure. Some bridges would be nice. Of course, as they are crossing the river, the scarecrow falls off and away he goes. Maybe it's just my interpretation or the way I choose to read it. Probably just the way I choose to read it. But he doesn't seem super distraught over this turn of events. I mean, he's certainly not happy to be stuck in the river, but he seems somewhat resigned to accept his fate here. Once Dorothy, the woodman, and the lion are back on dry land, it becomes a question of what to do next, how to rescue their lost comrade. <laughs> I know, it must just be a sign of the old times, but the word comrade is such a Soviet-sounding word. Let us go and find their fallen comrade. Yeah, 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 I know, not the best Russian accent, but this is what you get. Anyway, we meet one of my favorite characters here, the Stork. This isn't a recurring character, but I love the Stork no less. I read it as though the Stork was genuinely interested in helping, but at the same time unenthused by the inconvenience brought upon by these inexperienced travelers. This is modeled after one of my favorite childhood movies, Milo and Otis. Just go ahead and Google it, kids. Or ask your parents. Anyways, there's a scene in that movie where a pug is stranded offshore and saved by a sea turtle. The turtle is fulfilling his civic duty, but isn't exactly happy about it. The clip is readily available on YouTube if you're so inclined to check out my inspiration. Before we leave the topic of Milo and Otis, however, I want to make something clear. I know a lot of people, they get upset when you say you like that movie. I'm well aware of the allegations of animal abuse filed against the film. None, however, to my knowledge anyway, have been substantiated or proven to be true. That being said, it is a Japanese film from the 80s, and it did require the use of live animals. So yeah, it's plausible, or maybe even probable, that there was some shifty things going on. Still... When I was five years old, that was the last thing on my mind when watching a film about a cute, cuddly cat and his cute, cuddly dog friend. And regardless of the rumors and allegations, the narration and the characters have been forever burned into my mind as an infinite source of inspiration. Anyway, back to Oz. This chapter is surprisingly long and has two very distinct parts, it's actually fairly out of character for Baum here. The second half of the chapter is, of course, where the deadly poppy field comes in. I love that the woodman and the scarecrow are immune to the poppy's spicy scent. Props to Baum for the clever idea there. Also props to Baum for managing a description of two characters making a chair to carry a third character. I know that sounds trivial, but so often I can't figure out the best way to describe something, 
so I just end up writing something completely different. He kept it simple, and that's commendable. Also, Dorothy is asleep. The woodman and the scarecrow must have some serious muscles to carry that, for lack of a better term, dead weight. Based on that description of their two-man chair, it's hard to imagine anyone could carry her far without dropping her. But again, again. Children's book from 1900. The lion runs off in hopes of escaping the flowers, but we find him later on sound asleep. The lines, I'm sorry. The lion was a good comrade for one so cowardly. But let us go on. It's so grim and sad that it's almost hard to believe it's the end of a chapter. Hard to believe that the previous chapter ended on such a hopeful note with Dorothy sound asleep, and this one on such a depressing note with the lion sound asleep. Before I leave you this week, there is just one more issue to address. By now, you've noticed, I've left out the stork from Dark Days of Dorothy Gale. You're probably saying, Tyler, you just said the stork is one of your favorite characters. Why would you not include him in your version of the story? And to that I say, just hold on. Leaving the stork out was a very conscious decision on my part. I wanted to focus on Dorothy and Mr. Scarecrow. Notice there is no lion or woodman here either. The stork, however, will show up a couple chapters down the road, and I'm really excited for you to hear it. It's a rare moment in which I chose to retell the story just a little bit out of order. With not much more to say, that wraps up this week's episodes. Come back next week for Chapter 10 of Dark Days of Dorothy Gale, The Queen of the Field Mice, and Chapter 9 of The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, The Queen of the Field Mice. Thanks for listening. I love you all.